don't miss exclusive in-depth reporting of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now to The Athletic and save. You can sign up to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash motorsports, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you don't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash motorsports for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. Everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. That is the post-race podcast here on The Athletic. My name is Jeff Gluck. I'm along with Jordan Bianchi, my coworker. This week I have shifted locations from Denver, Colorado to all, all these last months to now uh, Indianapolis where I'm camped out here for the next month. So Jordan, I've actually uh, joined you in the Eastern time zone this week. And I tell you what, <laughs> I did not like that uh, the, the race. I was I was enjoying like, hey, you know, I wake up and, you know, I, I watch the race. and I've got all this extra time to do my work and all this stuff afterwards. And I was like sweating the, the 3, 15 p.m. start, you know, and I was like, man, this is you guys work late here on the East Coast. <laughs> And then it rained too. We had that splashdown for a little bit, so it looked like the race might run later too. And it was like, oh boy, <laughs> I do. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking about you. Yeah, but all good, all good. You know, next week it's going to be, uh, and we'll get to this. Uh, well, I can just say right now. You know what? I, I I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't want to jinx anything. I haven't told anybody this, but it looks like I'm going to be able to drive up a few hours north from here and uh, cover the Michigan doubleheader. Next weekend, my first uh, back at the track action since Phoenix in March, March eighth, wow. and um, yes, so I'm very excited about that. But those those starts for next week are like one. It's a doubleheader, so Saturday, Sunday. One is like four thirty, and one's four. So I mean, yeah. talk about late starts and a track with no lights. But uh, that could be that could be dicey. Mich- it never rains in Michigan, though. So I think never, it all- <laughs> never rains in Michigan. <laughs> And they never have any issues with the track having weepers or anything like that. It'll be perfectly fine. But anyway, this uh, race we're going to talk about, obviously, New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And um, boy, I'll tell you what, at least the first couple stages, I was like, what? Is this New Hampshire? This is great. This is fantastic. I mean, they're swapping for the lead all the time and slicing and dicing. I mean, uh, Denny Hamlin led 10 separate times. Brad Keselowski led eight separate times. They combined to completely dominate the race, of course. Brad Keselowski, um, at the end, he leads the final 81 laps, uh, long green flag run to finish the race. So um, not much drama there. Uh, the, the broadcast was kind of trying to build the uh, fuel situation, but these crew chiefs now being able to see the live telemetry, I think they must have some programs that tell them uh, you know, exactly where they are based on how much throttle is being used and all that stuff. So, uh, turned out nobody ran out that I know of. Nobody ran out of gas. And so it was another, uh, Keselowski win his third of the year. What'd you think of the race, Jordan? I thought it was, I thought the first two stages were exceptional. Like you, I was like, wow, this is New Hampshire. This is great. We don't really see a lot of this, a lot of green flag passing, you know, a lot of different drivers in the mix and Keselowski and Hamlin obviously led a a good chunk of it, but you know, Brian Blaney was up there. Martin Truex Jr. was up there for a bit. It's just you kind of had a bunch of different guys in the mix, and you're wondering how it was going to shake out. And, and then you had Jimmy Johnson spinning, and 
he ended up making a nice recovery to 12th. And so it just seemed like you had a race full of storylines happening. And then the third segment happened, and it was like, eh, okay. I mean, it was it was fine. It was it was a statement win for Brad Keselowski. We talked a lot in this podcast all year about, you know, who's that third driver that's going to rise up? And obviously, Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick are 1A, 1B in, in some order. Who is going to be that driver? We've talked about Chase Elliott. We've talked about Keselowski, Logano, Blaney. And I really, if you look at it, it does feel like Keselowski's kind of asserted himself. Not just the win, though, today. That certainly does go a long way. But, it, you know, consistency. Con- consistently running up front, leading laps, putting himself in position. And it felt like, from what Brad was saying post-race, that this was a statement win for them. And that they felt this kind of asserted themselves a little bit in that discussion for the championship. Especially when you take into account that the championship is going to be decided on a one mile track that shares a lot of characteristics with New Hampshire. And you're going to have the same rules package. You know, it's interesting because at the start of the year, and I'm sure there's plenty of documentation that I've, uh, you know, blown this call, but um, I, I thought that Kozlowski would, uh, you know, with his pairing with Jeremy Bullins after they shook all the driver crew chief lineup up, I thought they were going to be the worst off. Right. I mean, I thought, Oh wow. Logano and, uh, you know, Paul Wolf will be, will be great. And then Ryan Blaney, um, and Todd Gordon would be good. And, and, uh, and then I just thought, Oh, you know, Jeremy Bullins, uh, you know, I, I don't know how well he'll do with Kozlowski, but, um, here now, Jeremy Bullins has won three races this year. He only won three races total in four and a half years with Ryan Blaney. Mm-hmm. Um, their average finish this year so far is 8.6 where, um, Ryan Blaney, who I would, you know, typically if you're going to say who's been the best Penske car this year, I'd say Blaney, you know, in terms of speed, you know, his average finish is, is 14.1 and he's only won one race. So the Jeremy Bullins Kozlowski thing is, is actually working out uh, pretty darn good. It is. And it helps that those two had chemistry together from their days in the Xfinity series. You know, Brad is a, is somebody who does really well over long green flag runs. Jeremy Bullins is a crew chief who can set up race cars for long green flag runs for a long time. I like the Keselowski-Paul Wolf combination. I always thought they were kind of the next generation of Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson. But I think it's fair to say they kind of, I don't know, plateaued. I mean, they were they were good every year. They would win races and they were competitive. But just they just were missing that next. They were missing that little something that was preventing them from being you know dominant again. And whatever it is, it, it does feel like they have found it. And Keselowski has found it. And he kind of said that post-race. He gets out of the car and tells NBC... I needed a kick in my ass. And I was like, wait a second. I mean, and that was kind of jarring because this is Brad Keselowski, who's won a lot of races the last few years and done really well. And you're thinking, what more can he do? But he needed a crew chief to come in there and just kind of shake things up a little bit. Sometimes you get complacent. And I think that's what happened with the two team in a sense. I think that's kind of what happened with the 22 team in a little bit as well, where you just kind of get in this. I don't want to say rut because they're not, it's not like they're not doing bad, but you just kind of get, do the same thing over and over again and it gets you the same results. But to be great, to win championships and to be that dominant team, you've, you've got to break out of that mold a little bit. And a crew chief change has certainly done that. And across the board, all three cars have, you know, have got wins this year. And Brian Blaney's the only one that doesn't have multiple wins. And it, it certainly looks like Keselowski looks to be in championship form. And, you know, and the question too was, you know, let's be honest, when the, the, the crew chief change was made, there was some talk of, well, Brad maybe got you know put with the crew chief who maybe doesn't have the uh, – out of the three crew chiefs, maybe he is the, the third. And, right. And that was part of, you know, well, Brad's a free agent. You know, Ryan Blaney's a free agent too, but pretty confident that Penske was going to resign him. 
And Brad, you know, who knows what's going to happen. And I think he's gone out and he proved people that, you know what, I can do this. And I think it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that he's doing well in a, in a, in a situation where people are doubting him a little bit because that's Brad throughout his entire career where he likes to prove people wrong. You know, anytime any, any of us switch jobs or get a new boss, it does jolt you out of that comfort zone, especially if you've been in it for a long time. You know, if you've, if you've been at a job for five, 10 years working with all the same people, you know, you're, you're used to a certain way of doing things. And, you know, if someone new comes in or you get a, you know, new position, you switch companies or whatever, you know, you're, you're motivated to uh, prove yourself or you're motivated to do things a different way. And I think that's the case with Brad. I mean, um, you know, I, I don't know that Bullen's demanded it from him necessarily, but I think Brad realized, Hey, I've, I've got a different group of people here. I've got to, you know, sort of prove myself a little bit or, or be accountable to these people and, and show them what I'm all about. And so, um, you know, you don't do that by doing the same thing you've always done. You try to adapt to what they need. That's what a, a good teammate does. And I think, you know, that, that slight change or whatever it is, um, has definitely spurred him a little bit this year. And, and yeah, I mean, he's, he's certainly running well. I mean, when you look at Kozlowski's statistics, uh, over, over the course of a season, he's never, um, had an average finish under 10. He got 10.1 the year he won the championship. 2012 was his average finish, but he's always had double digit average finish this year. 8.6, as I said, um, so, you know, this, he's running really well. He has 15 top tens in 20 starts. I mean, you know, he's, it's really, uh, you, you have a good case there for, for making a championship contender run, especially since, you know, this, this track is somewhat going to be relatable to Phoenix, at least more than, you know, a mile and a half. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I look at how the playoffs set up and I've talked about this before, but you look at the tracks where Team Penske is really good at, intermediate racetracks particularly, there's a lot of those in the playoffs. You look at Martinsville, which is the last race before Phoenix. Guess who's really good there? Brad Keselowski. So the playoff schedule sets up really well for him, especially later in the rounds where it's really critically important and you can't afford a, a misstep. So I like them a lot. And we, you know, we talked a lot about Harvick and Hamlin, but Brad, like you said, you look at the numbers – Keselowski's been there. The thing that he just hasn't done like those other guys have is win a lot. I mean, he's got three wins now, but two of those wins happened earlier in the year. And it, you know, let's be honest, it, it can be easy to forget about it a little bit. And as the summer's gone along, Hamlin and Harvick have been so good, but Brad has been right there. He just hasn't been doing it in typical Brad Keselowski fashion. Yeah. And now, um, you know, he's, he's got that consistency already going in terms of wins. Um, 2017, he won three races, 18, three races, 2019, three races, now 2023 races. He did win four in 2016, so he's had at least three wins um, each of the last five years now. Uh, obviously, there's plenty of time to get more this year, especially the way he's running. He's going to be a contender. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm not sure I'm ready to declare him as like uh, a big three situation. I still Absolutely. think, yeah. you know, Harvick and Hamlin are, are sort of the two dominant, although Harvick wasn't wasn't quite as good today at New Hampshire. Hamlin and was still finished right fifth, there. by the way, though. <laughs> yeah, well, which, yeah. Which, which is funny to say. And he did. He did have. Um, he was going to be in great position if they did run out of fuel, because he had pitted later than everybody else. But ultimately, that that didn't happen. Um, you know, Truex is still right there. Is you know, he was he openly said, "Hey, I probably had the third best car today, and I finished third. You know, Logano's an interesting case to look at. Um, 
other than that, I, I don't see much case right now for the Hendrick cars. I don't see much case for Kyle Busch, certainly. You know, he goes out lap 15 today out of the race. Um, I think I think it's it, we're sort of starting to sort of narrow down the real strong contenders. So, um, And I can't remember who it was. Uh, it might have been Hamlin. might have been Kozlowski. Oh, I think it was Kozlowski after the race in our, in our post-race Zooms. And he raised a good point that, you know, when you come to these tracks and you haven't had any practice, you know, they've changed the tire. They, you know, you haven't gotten to test the application of the PJ1. And, you know, it's a different package than the last year. And you roll off into turn one and you're hoping it sticks. And, you know, that he was, Keselowski was saying that it was really, this sort of brings out the best drivers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's not exactly a compliment to his uh uh, nemesis Kyle Busch in a way if you look at it but um, you know but I think you were seeing that though at least in terms of we're seeing a lot of veteran guys be able to unload come to these tracks and as practices dropped off um, not early in the season where Hendrick was you know having a chance to work on their stuff and all that stuff I mean they, they haven't been as much of a contender we haven't heard as much from Chase Elliott and people like that so maybe there's something to that I don't know I think there's something to it. I also think it, it, it shows how important it is to come to the racetrack and, and be prepared where you can't chase a setup. If you're off in your simulators, if you're off in your base setup leaving the race shop and you show up at the racetrack, you're going to spend that first stage playing catch-up. And that can be really hard at some of these tracks. You get far behind and you're just never getting caught up. It happened in Denny Hamlin at Martinsville, a track where he typically is really good at. And it, it happened sometimes this year. And Kyle Busch is a driver that you know we, we've talked about this other people have said it but he's somebody who likes to use practice to fine-tune and just the little things and him being just a little bit off starting a race that that has been the difference in a lot of respects and it's unfortunate but that's the reality of it and you've got to adjust and I, like and i think there is something to it where the best drivers and teams can make it can do these adjustments and i don't think kyle's having a horrendous year by any means it's just by his standards he's not having his typical dominant year but you it is a challenge and if you're off it is going to be it is going to show up, and it's going to show up in a big way because everybody's fighting the, these unusual circumstances when you don't have large rosters at the racetrack, you don't have practice, you don't have qualifying, and you're setting up your cars off of simulations. That's and it's while simulations are incredibly accurate, they're not 100. percent Well, I it was interesting. I was listening to uh, I I caught the end of Truex's radio as the race was winding down. He was on the the cool down lap. And uh, James Small, his crew chief, came over the radio and said something like, you know, I, I lost a lot of sleep over the setup this week and, you know, good job trying to hang in there. And Shurex basically said something back to Small like, hey, you know, I I know I, I knew how to fix this. I, I would have if we had had a chance to work on it, I could have told you how to fix it and get the feel we were looking for. It just felt disconnected all day and I we couldn't get there. But to your point, I mean, had they had the practice Truex has a certain feel he looks for it at New Hampshire and they probably could have, you know, he could have said, Hey, do this, do this, you know, make these adjustments, but they don't have that. So you, you've got to unload quickly. You've got to be prepared. And, uh, obviously it takes a lot more work, a lot more homework. Um, and you know, it's just, uh, it's just one of those crazy years. It's going to reward those who, who roll off fast and including at Phoenix where there's not going to be practice as we as, as we've discussed. But Jordan, before we talk about the playoff picture here, um, you know, you you all who listen to the teardown have heard, uh, I would say, occasionally awkward ad reads here. Would you? Are they awkward every week or just? Well, sometimes? I mean, I think you know, revealing my cologne habits. Yes, I would qualify that as awkward. 
What about uh, what about personal grooming? We've had that. We've, yeah, we've had, had that. Uh, yep, yep. Male uh, fertility kind of things talked about on on this program. All, I mean, yes, all important stuff. We talk about the important things. Uh, okay, well, if you're somebody out there who has uh, something important for us to talk about, uh, we're opening it up to you. You can go to advertise on this show. You can go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads, and you can fill out a very simple form. We'll get back to you right away, and uh, we may be talking awkwardly about your company or your product. Wouldn't that be <laughs> just delightful for you? Just, just what you want, us as your spokesman. What a home run that would be. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, maybe somebody's interested. I mean, we we are masters of uh, talking about cringeworthy uh, topics. Uh, whatever, whatever products yeah. need to be advertised. <laughs> Amen to that. We can pitch it. So anyway, uh, again, that's theathletic.com slash podcast ads if you would like to hear us talk about your company or your product uh on the teardown so please be our guest we'll 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 go for whatever direction you want but anyway (laughs) be part of the team we'll have fun so jordan um the playoff picture is still quite a hot topic now there's only six races to go we're going to knock out two more of those next weekend at michigan and um yeah i mean it, it I I don't know. I, there was a while there where you're like, wow, Jimmy really blew it today. Mm-hmm. Then he rallies for yeah, great job uh, 12, by him. 12 place finish, yeah. He was um, running in the top 10. He was running well, too. A lot of the other uh, people that he's in contention with um, you know, also had pretty decent days. So, I mean, Matt Benedetto, he's in decent shape already, but he finishes sixth. Then you have um, Tyler Reddick got a top 10. Um, he finished 10th. William Byron finished 11th. Yep, so got stage points too. They all sort of held serve essentially. Right. But then you mm-hmm. look further down, uh, Clint Boyer, he was having a good run going and I wasn't sure how he got so far back, but he ends up finishing, uh, 18th. And then the real loser of the day was Eric Jones. Um, he did, uh, get his lap back after he got that penalty, uh, for pitting outside the box. Right. I, th- yep, I thought he, he did. did. He did um, on the but, first competition caution. He got his lap back. Just never got. This was a track position race in some respects. I mean, the tires were important, and you had to manage your tires. But it, it was tough, and he just never had track position, and it, and it hurt him. Yeah, and he finishes twenty uh, fourth a lap down. Uh, painful. I mean, you I, that that was a good track for him last year. Um, somewhere where I th- I would have thought he could you know have a top five run again today. Mm-hmm. Um, now he goes home to Michigan and he's really got to capitalize. I mean, again, we're, we're talking about how there's six races left, but as we've brought up repeatedly here, um, you know, two of those are the Daytona oval where you never know what could happen. Yeah. And the Daytona road course where, pff, I mean, the, the Ooh. biggest wild card of them all, probably. I'm excited. Uh, I think it's going to be crazy. And I, and I have a good, I have a question for you. And I was actually thinking about this. I was doing some pre-show notes, trying to make some, you know, trying to figure some things out. Do you think the road course favors drivers who have experience there? Kyle Busch has raced there, uh, Clint Boyer, Jimmy Johnson. And I was like thinking about Jimmy Johnson particularly because he's on the bubble. And this is maybe a track where he can maybe use that advantage he has to to, to get him into the playoffs. Maybe maybe it's an opportunity for him to get that win. He, he's ran well on these road courses before. He almost won the Roval race. Maybe that's a good opportunity for him to, to get break through and get that win and, and get in the playoffs. I actually don't. I mean – you know, the braking points are going to be so different in these big, heavy stock cars, first of all. 
um, even if you're familiar with with the layout. Second of all, you know they're adding what two chicanes that um, one chicane. Are Oh, just one. Okay. Yeah, off a turn, off a, off NASCAR turn four. Okay, so they're adding one chicane. Um, you know that's that's going to be different, probably. Uh, you know the speeds are going to be very interesting. Uh, see how fast those those cars can get going um, on the oval before they have to slow down. I just I just don't think it's going to be something where it's like oh I, I you know I've I've run the Rolex and may, you know maybe I'm totally wrong, but. I just think it's going to be kind of new for everybody, but I do think it'll favor, you know, guys who are good at road courses, like uh, say a Truex. I could, I could see him doing well there. So, mm-hmm. um, I'd be surprised if it was somebody that, that we're not used to seeing run well, suddenly, you know, jump up and, and win, but you never know. Um, but anyway, my point uh, circling back to originally, uh, before I, I went down the Daytona road, which obviously we're very excited about, but um, you you just can't count on those races. You you want to uh, you don't want to be on the outside going into that stretch. Um, you really want to you know have as many points as you can get in these sort of quote normal races, which is why I think Michigan looms large next weekend. You can't have a bad weekend there. No, it's um, the one. I mean, it's the two races that are the most straightforward. I mean, it's an intermediate track race. You don't have unusual things typically happen in a Michigan race. I know engine failures can happen there because it can be tough on equipment, but they're not. It's not like it used to be by any means. It, it is a, it is a performance rate based racetrack where if you're a good team and you you bring a good package, you're going to run well there. But after that, it just it gets goofy because you like you said you've got the both Daytonas and let's not forget Dover's no picnic either, and that's going to be a challenge. So. I think next week is big for a lot of guys. I think Eric Jones, is it's a really good racetrack for him. I think Tyler Reddick is going there with an opportunity to do really well. It suits his driving skill well. You know, run the top groove, carry a lot of speed through the corners. We've seen drivers like Kyle Larson with a similar background do really well there. I expect Reddick to do well there. Christopher Bell's another driver that I expect to do well. Christopher Bell had a really good run today going, was running in the top five, top six, and had some tire issues like a couple guys did, and his day went away. But Michigan's an opportunity for him to go there and, they have speed in their race cars. They just haven't been able to finish the races as well. So this, I, I look at the Michigan races as opportunity races in, in a different way than the Daytona races. But it is going to be interesting to see how these teams react because I think you start looking at this bubble. If I'm an Eric Jones, if I'm a Jimmy Johnson, I'm not so much thinking about points anymore. I'm starting to think I need wins or I need a win. Really? Yeah, you're 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 at that point now where you you don't think they can point their way in, or you're, you think I, they should change their focus. I, I think you can, and I think if you go out there, if you're, I don't know, pick a driver, you know, on the bubble, a Jones, a Byron, or a Johnson, you go out and you can, you, you can say these next, what do we have, uh, two, four, six races left? Right, So six these left. next six races left, and we can finish in the top ten in these six races, yeah, we can point our way in, but there's just no guarantees. And I think you look at the teams that are above you, you're going to need a little bit of help because of the points gap a little bit. And, you know, you mean, you need Matt D, you need Clint Boyer to, to have a bad race or two, to, or a Byron to, to kind of you know come back to you, even if you're, you're scoring points. So the best way, I think, right now, if you look at the standings, is to get that win. And I think you have to aggressively go after it. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you certainly need help, but I, I'm definitely banking on that if I'm one of those drivers. But... Um... You know, the thing is with stage points and the fact you can score so many points in a race now, uh, we've seen fortunes kind of swing wildly. So 
there's, I don't know, there's still hope. I, I wouldn't give up on the points part of it yet. But. For sure, and absolutely. And, they, and like we just talked about, both Daytona races, I think, are going to be a, a crazy chaos. I think there's going to be a lot of crashes, and I think you're going to see a lot of names, big names on the bubble and trouble. But I just, I don't want to bank on that. I don't want to put my playoff hopes riding on hoping that someone else has a bad day. I want to go out there and take it. I want to go out there and control my destiny, and the best way to do that is to go win. Well, Jordan, uh, is this poll going to be one of your sixty percent guesses, or are so, you going to do something different? I screwed up last week. I I messed up when I looked at the Kansas race. I went back and I rewatched that race twice last week, and that was actually a really good race. And I, re- I voted sixty percent. That was a seventy percent race, if not higher. That was a really good Kansas race, really good intermediate track race, and I completely diminished it. And I shouldn't have. That's on me. Um, today, I don't know. It was. Fine. It was, I don't know, the third stage didn't do a whole lot for me, but we'll say 65%. Oh, 65. Well, is that too um, high? I feel, now I feel too high. Well, I, if you're going to open up 60, that seemed to be working for you. <sighs> um, so I'll just take your 60 spot and you can have the 65. Sure. Why not? I'll, oh, good luck. I, this is, this is, I hate this. I, why do we do this? No, it's tough. Look, I, I've, I've really missed it. Um, missed him recently i i've it's been all over the place and it's been hard to keep up with the swings because you know sometimes there's races where you're like that's an awesome race and then sometimes you're you know it's like a total snooze fest these these in between races it really people are looking for such different things and it's so hard to try to tell like okay what is a good race to you Uh, if it's if it's just sort of somewhere in the middle and that's when it can really range from you know, anywhere from like 50 to 75 or something that, that whole in between part, I I've really been missing him the last few weeks. Um, just whiffing big time and, and yeah. trying to chase what you think people are going to guess is tough. It is um, tough. And, and I don't know what people think because I, I, like I said, I thought the first two stages were exceptional. If we were grading it off those right. two stages, I probably would have said 80%. And then the third stage was, it wasn't horrible. Again, it wasn't horrible by any Well, means. you it's have just, one guy leads um, the last 81 laps. Yeah. Um, not as then, many cautions. Not as much. No, it, it was completely green in, you know, 80 plus laps for the for the end. Right. So you had none of the exciting restarts that you had. You had none of the the swapping for the lead, um, which which was great earlier in the race, like you said. So it's one of those situations where sometimes we have a race where you're like, that's kind of a boring race, but a great finish, say like Kentucky, right? With Cole Custer going four wide and, you know, wins the race. You're like, wow, that really salvaged the race. I wonder what people will say. In this case, it was like you had sort of a, you had a good first half of the race and then it just kind of petered out and it wasn't, there was no drama or excitement at the end. So, you know, it, it's kind of the reverse. So I, I just don't know how people will view that. Um, no. And I look at races differently, and I think you do too, than what fans do. Like, I mean, obviously we don't root for drivers. We root for storylines. And to me, there were storylines aplenty in this race. And there's, you know, if we're writing off of this race, I think you can find something to write about that's interesting for the most part. Good luck on the top five, because I know that's not easy <laughs> for you always. But Thanks. I do think there's there are some storylines. I mean, you know, so we look at different things. So I don't know. And I, I, I never know what fans are thinking, and I don't know how who wins a race impacts you know, if Denny Hamlin won this race today, do, are people voting differently? I think so. Yeah, no, I think, that, well, it depends how he won it. I mean, if he had won with a last lap pass, I mean, that would be, or something, if he had tracked him down late, you know, on a long green flag run, people would view that differently too. So 
I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens next week. But I tell you what, uh, this seemed to be popular with the listeners. Um, uh, when we did this at Pocono, there was a doubleheader. Uh, would you be interested in doing uh, two podcasts next week again? One podcast being the uh, the subscriber only on Saturday night. Would that be okay? I would be honored to be your podcast partner both Saturday oh. and Sunday next weekend. Okay, well, that's fine because I was just going to do one without you anyway. Oh, okay. I thought it. you were like formally asking me to be your partner. I thought this was like an official thing. No. Like, no. Are they, can you give me a gift or something? Flowers? I don't know. No, I was going to say if you didn't want it, if you just wanted to do a Sunday one, but uh, the <laughs> listeners seem to like, you know, they seem to like the subscriber only, you know, it's a reward for the, uh, the people who do subscribe to The Athletic and support us and let us get to the track. And I'm, I'm, I mean, unless uh, something crazy happens between now and the next time you're hearing this, I, I hope to be coming to you live from Michigan. I'd love to do one, uh, tell you about my experience being there and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So, um, yeah, let's let's just plan on that next Saturday night. And it will be night because that race doesn't <laughs> start till four or whatever. So think about three hour race, seven something and, you know, an hour or something of interviews. Mm-hmm. I mean, this that that podcast next week is going to get posted at like midnight 10 or 11 yeah uh yeah so yeah we'll see how that goes but yeah uh, i wonder what the forecast is i know it's early but i'm i am cause... not looking at that sir i would not be looking at that i'm not even going there my first race back since phoenix can't get rained out well actually it can and it probably will 2020 but as kyle bush says it's still 2020 yeah so uh yeah does kyle bush win a race this year oh no i don't think so you don't think he wins a race? No, I don't think so. Wow, interesting. That would be the first time in his career he's never won a race in a season. Even back in his rookie year, he won two races. He's never gone a full season without a win. But you're saying you think it happens? Uh, at this point, what what evidence do you have to say that he could he could win other other than the fact that he's Kyle Busch? That. They have speed in their race cars. They're not that bad. They, they mean, honestly, they're more snake bit at this point than anything. It's not a lack of ex- execution. It's not them making mistakes. It's just they have speed in their race cars. They just have to put together a full race. And today's a perfect example. I mean, you had a tire issue. There's nothing you can do about that. He was going to be a factor today. I was convinced. I told somebody I thought he was going to win because he's really good here. They've got speed in the race cars. It's Joe Gibbs racing. It's Toyotas. They're obviously good. Your teammates winning a bunch of races. Martin Truex Jr. is coming along. The speed is there. Plus, you put a talented driver, probably the most talented driver in the series. I just, I have a hard time thinking he's not going to get at least one win at some point this year. I don't know, man. I mean, I don't see a lot of hope. Um, you know, first of all, there's only 16 races left. Uh, he's probably, he never has really great luck or anything at super speedways. So you can mark two of those off right there. Um, okay. So that's down to 14 races. Uh, you know, I can, no, you're, you're, there's, look, there's a lot of reason to think that he could and would, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's, uh, driving for a crap team or something or something's changed. But I mean, again, if you, if you look over the last year, uh, except for the championship at Homestead, you know, they're, they're not winning right now. Um, I just, uh, you know, again, he, he's probably is the most talented driver out there on the track every week, but. I just don't think for whatever reason they're, they're able to put it all together right now with no practice and all that stuff. Uh, I just don't see a lot of, a lot of hope, but, um, you know, certainly I could be wrong and we will, we can go back and play this segment if that's the case. So, (laughs) 
Um, no, but anyway, I, yeah, we'll I see. get it. I mean, you, I mean, Denny Hamlin didn't win a race a couple years ago. I mean, you do have big name drivers go seasons without winning. I mean, it happened to Jimmy Johnson. We saw Joey Logano miss the playoffs in 17. So it's not unprecedented where you you have this driver that you have high expectations for, and for whatever reason, they don't meet them and they don't win races. So I don't think it's outlandish to think it could happen. It just I just feel like it. I feel like it's obvious that it will happen, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, well, we'll find out. We'll find out. Let's keep. We'll keep. Uh, keep track of this question. So uh, anyway, well, um, you know, for not the most exciting race, we were able to um, talk for thirty minutes plus about it. So that's not a bad thing. And of course, we'll come to you twice next weekend. Hopefully, again. Hopefully, I, I don't want to like jinx things. Be like, I'm going to be at Michigan. And then it's like <laughs> I come to you and be like, oh yeah, um, I have I got COVID or something, and now I'm not going to. You know, I really don't want to mess that up. So okay, I'm not jinxing it anymore. I might be at Michigan next week. <laughs> I might talk to you then. Thank you everybody for listening. We will talk to you next time on the Teardown.